Before we begin, we would like to acknowledge the traditional custodians of the land on which we record today, the Bunurong, Bunwarung, and Wurundjeri Woiwurrung peoples of the Eastern Kulin Nation, and we pay our respects to their elders past, present, and emerging. Oh, no, not the beast! Not the beast! so distant for me i i think we've just grown apart frankly well that's that's a really horrific and saddening way to begin this podcast but no liam this is geography oh We're... it's physical distance <laughs> i'm currently in adelaide liam is currently in melbourne and we have a completely unnecessarily complicated setup just to bring you this quality podcast in stereo yeah it's we're, we do this for you uh, so thank us and you owe us one. Yeah, we know that there are other podcasts you, you could be listening to, Nicholas Cage themed, but most of them have got really shitty sound quality. So thanks for being with us. Oh, I'm, I'm currently... <laughs> I'm currently listening to you through... Uh, like, I have you on WhatsApp because you've muted your microphone. So currently my yeah. sound quality is very shitty. Um, yeah, and I'm <laughs> listening to Liam through a Zoom call, which I've muted myself on, but I'm recording my own voice into the audio software. So we're bringing you this in stereo. Uh, uh-huh. Uh-huh. Here we are, and I think it's unnecessarily complicated for an unnecessarily complicated film. Is uh, and, oh boy, my Just, god! Can, can you feel the deflation and the? Uh, I, I, I what was the film, Liam? The um, it was Peggy Sue got married. Is the mm-hmm. film that we're talking about today? Uh, one of Nicolas Cage's first kind of big meaty roles in a while. Yeah, yeah. Not since Valley Girl has he been second billed. And oh. My word. It's worth noting, this film was nominated for three Oscars. Yeah. For um, three Oscars. For I, None of which involved uh, directing or writing, just keep in mind. Um, or, or Nicolas Cage. Or Nicolas Cage, no. Uh, so Kathleen Turner got nominated for Best Actress. Uh, yep. The movie got nominated for Best Cinematography. And it also got mm-hmm. nominated for Best Costume Design. And and yeah, and you know, the, the costume design was, was pretty great. Yeah, yeah. sure. Yeah, no, but, it... It looked very good. I've been watching films for at least two years now, and I can tell you, Liam, yeah, this was a film. This was a film. This was indeed a film. Uh, um, <laughs> like I, I, to the point where I don't even know where to begin. I, not, you know, neither do I. It was. I, I thought this would be quite a straightforward, you know, venture. It's another Francis Ford Coppola. This is what is his third Francis Ford movie? Yeah, Rumblefish. His his third Cotton and last Club. Francis Ford Coppola movie. And. And it isn't. It's anything. It's anything but straightforward. Okay, yeah. so I'll, I'll give, as we usually do, I'll give a little synopsis yeah. of the plot, and then maybe you'll hit us with uh, who's involved in it, mm-hmm. and then we can just take the lid off this can of worms and yeah. stare <laughs> into whatever the hell is looking back at us. Okay. So, okay. Peggy Sue Got Married is a 1986 American fantasy comedy drama film starring Kathleen Turner as a woman on the verge of a divorce who finds herself transported back to the days of her senior year in high school in 1960. And so basically, Kathleen Turner and Nicolas Cage are a married couple. She is the uh, uh, aforementioned Peggy Sue, and he plays Charlie. And they are about to get divorced, and they go to their high school reunion. And uh, whilst uh, Peggy Sue doesn't think Charlie's going to rock up, Charlie does rock up, and she has this sort of weird seizure fit 
epileptic episode and when she wakes up she's back in 1960 and so she is you know her, her mind is the same she knows she's had all her life experience but she's now just in a younger body and uh, she gets to do all the things that she didn't do before um and boy does it get weird and bring up a lot of questions oh. uh liam do you want to take us away with who's in this masterpiece so- Obviously, directed by Francis Ford Coppola. It's his third mm-hmm. movie with his nephew, Nicolas Cage. And by far, Nicolas Cage's biggest part, I think, in any of the movies that he's directed with him. Um, yep. It's starring Kathleen Turner, uh, who plays Peggy Sue. It's got Nicolas Cage in it. Um, Joan Allen is uh, she's an actress. She's won some Tonys, and she's been in a bunch of stuff, who plays yeah. uh, one of Peggy Sue's friends. I forget which one. So Joan, Joan Allen glasses. is going to come back in another Nicolas Cage because she is, of course, in Face Off. Oh, and she's wait. in Death Race, which isn't Nicolas Cage. But you watched that recently. Yeah, I did watch Death Race recently. And she is too good for that film. <laughs> My God. I, I really wanted to watch... I, I, I came out of Death Race and the only thing that I couldn't remember thinking was that I really want to watch an Ian McShane, Joan Allen movie. Just where the, just any Just those two as main characters. And I don't yeah, care what those they do. two in my dinner with Andre. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> Spoiler alert: neither of them plays Andre. Um, Andre the Giant plays Andre. Andre the Giant. Oh, yes. Back, my dinner with Andre the Giant. Back then, you know that's actually what I thought that the movie was for the longest time <laughs> when I was a kid, because I'd seen The Princess Bride when I was quite young, and obviously I knew who Andre yeah. the Giant was, but I didn't know who yeah. Andre Hervé was. And so I was like, oh, it's my dinner with Andre the Giant. It's Wallace Shawn, <laughs> the tiniest man in existence. And Andre the Giant, who squeezed himself into a restaurant booth. Inconceivable. It's, All right. Yeah. Okay, and so um, jo- Joan Allen's in it, and then Joan who Allen's else? in it. Jim Carrey is also in it as one of Charlie's friends. And isn't that a weird time? I, I saw his name. I forgot he was in this. His name yeah. popped up in the credits, and I went, what the hell? Yeah. Jim Carrey in a Francis Ford Coppola? And then you think, oh, well, actually, no, he's a very good actor. He's been in some really great films. Yeah, yeah. He's, yeah. he's the only person who can successfully... Uh, out Nicolas Cage, Nicolas Cage. Um, and he does. Oh, he definitely does. And the other sort of uh, name that pops up, or the other name that people would recognize is Helen Hunt plays uh, Kathleen Turner's daughter, Beth. Very young Helen Hunt. A very young yeah. Helen Hunt. Um, yeah. To the point I wrote down, one of my first notes was that Helen Hunt and Kathleen Turner look like sisters, not yeah, mother they, and daughter. Maybe that's the first thing we should address is uh, the fact that we have young people. You know, these guys are in their 20s, early 20s, playing older versions of themselves and then going back and playing younger versions of themselves. And at every stage, it's wrong. Yeah, nobody, everybody looks too old to be 18 and way too young to be like 37 or 38. It's such a bizarre thing. It would to the point where when we were messaging each other watching it last night because we were watching it roughly at the same time. Say this could be a Philip K. Dick story. They they could be replicants. They could yeah. be weird android people because it it's just that uncanny valley. Yeah. Once they've got the the old makeup on and the the clothes and the it's changing their voice slightly to sound old. Yeah, it enters this bizarre realm that I was not prepared to go into, frankly. It sort of reminded me a little bit of Back to the Future, like old Biff. <laughs> yes. Except that that's meant to be yes. funny, and like the old yeah. people in this movie are meant to be serious. Yeah. And in this, you have a young Jim, very, very young Jim Carrey, 
playing old Jim Carrey as a dentist, I think he is. And he's at the high school reunion chopping up lines of some sort of pharmaceutical drug. Yeah. And he says, the best thing about being a dentist, pure pharmaceutical grade. A couple of lines of this and I could drill my own teeth. I was like, got, oh my God, Jim Carrey. Yeah, that's, that's a whole separate thing to unpack. <laughs> Jim Carrey, the depressed dentist's crippling oxycodone addiction. It all look, it all looks like they remember that face app thing that was coming around last year to yeah it yeah. turned out that it was run by the Russians it everyone looks like a face apped version of themselves but really badly yeah yeah it's not a good look although Kathleen Turner I think has very deliberately been left more or less the same yeah yeah like she's untouched uh, Nicholas Cage on the other hand has been aggressively made up oh my god and apparently a lot of it was his own decision. <laughs> So we finally see Nick Cage with no gap tooth, but instead the most heinous fake teeth yeah. imaginable. This is and what, his swept up Elvis hair. and This is what happens when your uncle is directing the movie. Nobody says no to you. Like nobody says, Nicholas, we can't have you speak like that because yeah. it sounds ridiculous. And this is the thing, because he, now he, you know, he's got some credits under his belt. He, you know, he can start to make these decisions. He can yeah. start to have a bit of say, like, no, I feel I should do this. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. It did so, feel it did feel like it was the first kind of true Nicolas Cage performance, this one. Yes. That yeah. it, he was really kind of doing his best to reach for something interesting. Yeah. 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 He He, he, he clearly has an idea of how this character, this... This guy, so Charlie, um, he wants to be a singer when he's in high school. He's part of a, a barbershop quartet. If you ever want to see Nicolas Cage in a shiny suit with Jim Carrey, also in a shiny suit, singing in a barbershop quartet, this is the film for you. Do you want to know? Hands a, down. Do you want to know a really fun fact? I was watching. Hit me with your fun fact. This, I think, this has to do with the the barbershop quartet bit. But um, okay. So I'm living with our friends, Kirsty, at the moment. Yep. She's staying in your room. Well, you're not allowed. And we watched the movie last night. And as we were watching the credits, um, yeah. I noticed that there was a credit for special choreography for Tony Basil, who... Okay. You you know that song, Mickey? Oh, oh Mickey, Mickey, you're so fun, you're so fun. So yeah, fun, so fun. that's Tony Basil. She was a <laughs> choreographer before that, and she was a choreographer after that. That was kind of what she did. She was a choreographer, but she had this one-hit wonder and. 1982, right at the end of 1982. And oh, wow. she, I'm pretty sure that she helped out with the choreography for that little barbershop. That little ditty? Scene, yeah. Wow. There you go. It's it's not particularly great choreography. I'm not sure how much I should oh, the, give that's, kudos to yeah, Tony I Basil. I think that's why she they buried her really deep in the credits. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not after screenwriter or anything no, like that. No, just, no, no. Just, just deep in there. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. The, the, this this film, I don't know. Well, I feel this whole podcast is going to be where do we begin, and we're just sort of going to go through moments in this film, not really beginning anywhere, but just kind of listing them off. It's, it feels like. Yeah, I mean, my I think my biggest issue with this movie was how just kind of unstructured and aimless her time oh in nineteen sixty was. That like she yeah. does, she's not interested in going like getting back to the future that's not her kind of main driver like it is it something yeah. she kind of like feels around to figure out how she might get back but she it, yeah. it's never like the mission of the movie neither is um like reconciling with nicholas cage she keeps kind of flip-flopping yeah. back and forth as to whether or not she's actually going to be with him 
She's more concerned with just having sex. Oh, she's she is. Nicholas Cage is for the first time not the horniest person in this movie. And you know what? It's it's a bit of a palate cleanser. It is. It's nice. It's that's his range right there. <laughs> he can be horny or not horny. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Kathleen Turner lets other people be hornier than he is, and that's fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She she really doesn't really go out of her way to drive the plot. It's she sort of just comes home once she realizes she's in the past and gets drunk off her dad's whiskey. And of course, because she's an adult in a child's body, <clears throat> her dad goes, you can't do that. And she goes, ah, try and stop me, father. Yeah. And then goes to school and befriends the nerd and asks whether time travel's possible and tells him all these things that are going to happen in the future, yeah. like the invention of Spanx or something. Oh. What was it? I, a whole lot of, I think Spanx yeah. was one of the things she tells him a lot. Like there was that one joke that like, for some reason, everything in the future is really small, gets really small, except for radios, which get enormous. Those boom boxes. Yeah, which you could tell that the writers thought was a hysterical joke. <laughs> like, you could tell the writers really dug that. Oh, there was another joke that you could tell the writers absolutely loved, which was when, um, uh, when at the, in sort of the emotional climax, Peggy Sue writes a song for Charlie to help him oh, sing. Oh, yeah. And he sings it back to her, goes, yeah, you know, I, it's a great song for your first try. I, I've changed all the uh, yes to oohs. She loves you, ooh, ooh, ooh. And you can go, you know the writers thought they were just fucking hysterical That's with that. That's also, like, I'd, I, I'm pretty sure legitimately a joke from yesterday. <laughs> Honestly, is. though. Oh, my word, it is. Yeah. Yes. Or, like, they do something really, like, basically yeah. the same thing, just slightly different. Danny Boyle's Yesterday is uh, proven just to be a hack. There yeah. we go. Danny Boyle's Yesterday is nothing but a reboot of Peggy Sue Got Married. <laughs> no, there is a trope that I like, both in Peggy Sue Got Married and in Yesterday, of the, um, the, the person who's just suffered some weird kind of cosmic thing. Like, mm. in Peggy Sue Got Married, mm. she goes back in time, and in uh, Yesterday... Himish Patel wakes up and he's the only person who remembers the Beatles. But like that yeah. that little bit right after it happens where they're just acting weird around everybody. I realized <laughs> when I was watching this movie, I love that. I love that trope. Every movie it's in is the best. So now you can look at people in your, your own personal life and, you know, they're, they're just acting a bit differently today. Maybe, just maybe, they've come back in time. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And they have, they don't quite know, are they dreaming? Is this real? What do they do? Yeah, they've woken up in a world with forks. Like in their version of the world, everybody uses chopsticks, but in this, they have to just deal with what a fork is now. In this world, Tony the Tiger isn't president. Oh man, he's my president. He's yeah. Well, we we should try and retroactively try and add him into this presidential race. Oh man, but it's a pity, I, I noticed. It's a pity I've already voted. I would write him in. <laughs> just scroll on the paper. Yeah. Tony the Tiger. Well, you, you, can, you can do that. You can write in candidates. If enough people theoretically wrote in Tony the Tiger, he would get um however many electoral college votes California. You heard it here first, folks. If you want Tony the Tiger to be uh, president of the United States or indeed the world, it's great. Then, uh, then you know what you have to do. Just yeah. evoke the change you want to see. Tony Tiger's the Ross Perot of the uh, 2020 <laughs> presidential race. <laughs> but we have to get to Nicolas Cage. We do need to get to Nicolas film. Cage. The very first shot, do you remember what it is? Oh, of yeah. Nicolas Cage? It's, the, it's like the yeah. very first shot of the film. Yeah. And, ooh, does it set it up? Do you want to hit us with what it is? Um, it's So, 
in the or in the present in 1980 mm. whatever Nicolas Cage is this sort of failed he's a failed singer turned kind of like I think they call him the appliance king and he shows up yeah. in this really cloying like local commercial like you know those ones where the production value is super low and it's, yeah it's these like really weird kind of local personalities hawking <laughs> like you you still see them he's in one of yeah, those yeah selling appliances but it's all like what is it chinese themed or just yeah, vaguely like pan-asian kind of it's crazy charlie's thing and he's dressed in some sort of rhinestone white rhinestone cowboy outfit smashing fortune cookies and yeah. reading out prices doing some very uh questionable asian accent i blacked out a little bit when i first saw that because <laughs> it was too much to open a film with it was so <laughs> like an assault on the senses right out the gate when you think of great openings to cinema, maybe Star Wars the, with the Star Destroyer yeah. coming overhead, the Scarlett Johansson's butt in Lost in Translation. Uh, yeah, yeah. All iconic opening scenes. And then very racist Nicolas Cage. Yeah, the opening scene in uh, Inglorious Bastards. Oh, the, yeah, a classic with the, the milk farm. in the farm. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Nicolas and Cage then this, being racist. Smashing fortune cookies <laughs> with yeah. a Chinese accent. And, uh, and it really doesn't go um, down from there. So Nicolas Cage... He adopts this forward nasal resonance. That Can you I was hit us with it, a little bit? Well, I, I, I was I was experimenting with it while I was watching the film, and I realized he's always changing it. He, if you listen to it, he he clearly hasn't quite got it to be in a consistent place because some scenes it clearly slips, and he's back to you know talking like Nicolas Cage, yeah. and then some other you know, hey Peggy Sue, I need to talk to you. Yeah. He's and he kinda, kind of goes, uh, kind of really there. And he goes kind of millhouse in parts. Yeah. But it's always shifting. Sometimes it's really forward, and sometimes it's not quite as forward. It's it, it's sort of an actor who's technically not quite there yet, making yeah. a choice that's just a little bit beyond him, I think. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's, it's, it's really... Most of the time, it kind of sits around Millhouse from The Simpsons. Yeah. So if you imagine, you know, Nicolas Cage talking like Millhouse, that's kind of what you end up with. And um, and this actually caused some uh, some trouble on set. Did mm. you know this, Liam? Yeah, I think you told me this. I was about to bring it up, but you should yeah. definitely mention it. So uh, Kathleen Turner and Nicolas Cage had some had some tension playing lovers on mm. set. She wrote in her memoir in two thousand and eight that he caused so many problems. He was arrested twice for drunk driving and I think once for stealing a dog. He'd oh, come wow. across a chihuahua he liked and stuck it in his jacket. On the last night of filming, he came into my trailer after he'd clearly been drinking heavily. He fell on his knees and asked if I could ever forgive him. I said, not right now, I have a scene to shoot, excuse me, and just walked out. Nicholas didn't manage to kill the film, but he didn't add a lot to it either. For years, whenever I saw him, he'd apologize for his behavior. I'd say, look, I'm over it, but I haven't pursued the idea of working with him again. Wow. So uh, there was that sort of tension. But then as I was watching it, you know, they have this makeout scene in the car where Kathleen Turner tries to sleep with Nicolas Cage. And uh -huh. you've got you've got Nicolas really kind of being so nasal, just inches away from Kathleen Turner's face. And I was thinking, God, that would be hard to be romantic with and have a chemistry yeah and then in 2018 kathleen turner said um 
in regard to the the the, 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 f- the false teeth and the nose and everything like that. It was tough not to say, cut it out, but it wasn't my job to say to another actor what he should or shouldn't do. So I went to Francis and I asked him, you approved this choice? It was very touchy. Nicholas was very difficult on set. So uh, she actually went up to Francis and asked whether yeah. he approved this whole thing. And, and clearly, you know, it did. But um, Nicholas Cage later, years later... Uh, Nicholas Cage sued Kathleen Turner um, in response to his drunk driving and chihuahua stealing allegations. For, uh, sued for defamation and won. Wow! And got a public apology from Turner uh, that that um, the accusations she made in her book were false and defamatory. Oh my god! So there we go. There we go. It, it, Scandal. It wasn't a chihuahua. It was a Maltese. It was an adult size Alsatian. I yeah. put it in my jacket. No, it, it wasn't about the like actual action. It was the specifics that he <laughs> had, uh, had a quarrel with. <laughs> I'm just looking through my notes going all the times Nicolas Cage's vocal um, shifts. He, he makes different vocal choices that aren't consistent. Yeah. And I've got uh, Millhouse, Millhouse, Porky the Pig, Porky the Pig. Nicholas Cage, Porky Millhouse. So yeah, yeah, yeah. that's kind of charting his progression. Yeah. Kind of sound. I'd also like to kind of draw attention to the fact I was talking to Kirsty about this, but when yeah. Kathleen Turner's trying to seduce Nicholas Cage, technically yeah. she's still like thirty-eight. That's I have to I've got that Yeah. And she sleeps with another person that isn't Nicholas Cage. Oh, that was that was weird. It, so, so Kirst- do, you want to, do you want to talk about that? Sure. Well, Kirsty and I, it inspired a whole kind of like discussion between Kirsty and I about like the origin of the soft boy. <laughs> like exactly like where <laughs> that trope originates from. But um, so there's this one in the beginning at the, uh, the reunion scene, there's this one uh, photo of a guy who is yeah. in their class and, you know, nobody could get in touch with him to get him to come to the reunion and nobody knows what happened to him. And he's this really kind of like sensitive, like brooding Mm. like literary philosopher poet type he like reads james joyce he he does he, he's Ooh. all in uh like black like he's got the turtleneck he rides a motorcycle it's a whole thing oh cool and boy. so kathleen turner tries to sleep with nicholas cage nicholas cage is like nah um so she kind of goes out on the town and she meets up with this guy she runs mm. into him and they talk and they end up going to this kind of it's like a near a pond or a lake and they they sleep together mm. Um, yeah <laughs> i'd say it's more a swamp it, yeah it is a bit of a swamp sort of a hypothetical oh yeah have you ever have you ever kissed someone and declared that the poetry you just read out was yates before you uh have sex with them in what's clearly shrek's home has uh, that ever happened to you liam is that a, is peggy sue an accurate representation of teenage life i think i've come close a couple of times but i've never been able to quite clinch it like that Oh, I see. Uh, yeah. yeah. Have you? Look, that's between Shrek and I. Ah, I see. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. No, it, it's okay. Um, I understand. You don't. You don't Shrek and tell. Uh, <laughs> but th- this guy is just—he is uh, like a textbook soft boy. The f- we he's first... arguing with the teacher in class about uh, Hemingway. Right? Hemingway. That's right. Yeah. And he's like a socialist, and he's anti-establishment, and he's. You know, he's one of those deep thinkers. But the, the biggest gag, and I, I cackled at this, was when he <laughs> tries to get Kathleen Turner to come to Utah with him and start, like, a polygamous family. 
He's like, yeah, you and this other girl can take care of the chickens while I write. (laughs) And Catherine Turner's like, I can't. I'm allergic to chickens. And he goes, oh. It was so funny. That was also the scene where the first black people showed up. Yes, Liam messaged me when we were watching it saying, I have taken down the time, the first, the, the, the exact moment where black people show up in this film. How far into the film is it, Liam? Um, so it's a, a an hour and 43 minute film, I think, uh-huh. cred- including credits. Uh, yep. And the first black people show up at an hour and 15 minutes. And what are they doing? They're playing jazz music. <laughs> and then Nicolas Cage gets up and sings early R&B with them. Yeah. And you go, all right, a good time, a good time. Do you think Nicolas Cage could sing? I wrote- uh, yeah, I was wondering whether, well, I'm wondering whether that's his voice. Because in the film, yeah, he can he can hold a tune. He's got a, an all right voice. Yeah. I wrote, but I'm wondering whether that's actually him singing. I wrote that he can 80% sing. I think that it was him because <laughs> like he can kind of sing, but not not well enough for me to believe it was for me to believe it was dubbed. Yeah, but well enough to believe that a talent agent, as happens in the film, doesn't want to sign him. Yeah, true. That is that yeah. is the most realistic bit of the film. Was this talent <laughs> agent going? You don't have it, kid. We've got some fantastic quotes in this film that yeah. I feel we should touch on. I did write down a couple. Yeah. Um, I'd be interested to know if we have the same ones. Do you have... um, So when Peggy Sue is trying to seduce Nicolas Cage in the car, um, Nicolas Cage... uh, uh, Peggy Sue says, you know, Charlie, let's do it. And he goes, oh, you want to have sex? Like, intercourse? You mean with my wang? (laughs) (laughs) That's incredible. Did you have that one? I I didn't have that one. I had had another penis-related one. I oh, had, yeah. So um, Kathleen Turner's talking to her mother. Yep. And her mother goes, Peggy, you know what a penis is. Stay away from it. <laughs> I have that one too. <laughs> but that, that was hysterical. I have the dad talking to uh, Charlie. So we've got Peggy Sue's dad talking to Charlie just yep. before they go out to a friend's house. You know, Charlie, show her a good time, but for heaven's sake, restrain yourself. Yeah. I had that one, and uh, Nicholas Cage gets very frustrated with Peggy Sue because she's acting all weird because she's come back from the future, but he doesn't know that. Yeah. And he says to her, what's the matter, Peggy Sue? I've got the hair. I've got the teeth. I've got the eyes. Look out that window. I've got the car. I'm the lead singer. I'm the man. I remember that. I think midway through that scene, I turned to Kirstie and went, I got the knees. I got, <laughs> got the, the ears. Knees. I got the frenulum. It's just, all there. He just starts listing like body parts that he has. <laughs> I got the epiglottis. I got the esophagus. Uh, medically speaking, I have too many ribs. And Ugh. it made me think, I really want to see Nicolas Cage play more evil people. Like, I know we're going to see him play an evil person in Face Off, but that's a long way away. But he typically plays good guys. But, he, you know, we see multiple shots of him sort of creeping along corridors, doing Nosferatu-type fingers and, oh my God. and being all creepy. And I'm like, I want to see that. I want to see him go full, weird, evil guy. Yeah. When That's what this film is screaming out for. When he sneaks into Kathleen Turner's room mm. to smother her to death. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, yeah. When Let's he's talk doing about the, that. like, fingers. Ah, I got the fingers. Oh, he's doing... So... Yeah, like... Oh, what did I call them? Hold on. Um, I call them Nosferatu fingers. Oh, I uh, ba, 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 ba. oh, spirit finger sneaky hands. That's what I call them. <laughs> 
Yeah. So so Nicolas Cage finds out that she was she had sex with the uh, with the with the Yates boy down at the swamp. Yeah. And he he comes creeping. Yeah. Spirit fingers, sneaky hands outside her house. No one's looking at him. He's just doing this. Climbs to her window, picks up a pillow, and then goes to smother Peggy Sue, and then just doesn't. Yeah. And Peggy Sue wakes up and goes, "What are you doing?" And he has this big meltdown where he says, "Um." Do you think the world would still like me if I stopped being Mr. Excitement? And I was thinking, yes, Nicolas Cage, we would we would still love you if you stopped being Mr. Excitement. You know? It's nice to see him branching out and finding other insecurities to motivate his characters. Now it's not all about kind of like being a man and this like hyper-masculine sort of man's man kind of dude. It, it, you know, it's yeah. about does he need to be like entertaining or always on? Or... Yeah. But no, he you know he could just chill, yeah. and we would still respect him. I think so. What else? What? Where? Where else do we go? Oh, with this, I mean, with this, there's so much. Uh, another sort of point that I was kind of wondering about was how, because it looks for most of the movie like Kathleen Turner is not going to marry Charlie. Yes. What happens to her children? Yeah, right. She straight so, up has she has two children, one of whom I would yeah. like to point out we never see is only mentioned. <laughs> one is Helen Hunt, and one the is, other one isn't. Yeah, the other one is named Scott. He gets a credit in the um in the thing. Does he actually? Yeah, he gets a credit, but he's not in the movie. Oh my god! Hey, does that mean we can get credits in the movie? Yeah, maybe. We weren't in it. We could call. We should, we should write in and find yeah, out. Yeah, let's call Zoya Trope and see if we can get credits for Peggy Sue Got Married, <laughs> a movie that neither of us was alive for. And yet, and yet, and yet, and yet. I'm sure yet. maybe they they'll they'll say something like, "We can't give you a credit in Peggy Sue Got Married, but there's still room in Megalopolis if you'd like." <laughs> but yeah, so so chronologically in the in the world of the story, um, Peggy Sue is in her final year, and then on the uh, night of her birthday, she uh, falls pregnant with Charlie, and that's why they get married, and she has her first uh, child, Helen Hunt, and that's why they stay together. And so, in the in the film, she decides not to sleep with Charlie on the night of her birthday, um, because she doesn't want to end up in that dreary life. But yeah, what happens to her kids? Yeah, if if she doesn't do it, and and she doesn't get married, it, like it's. Revisionist history. I think it kind of comes into play towards the end of the movie, but like, yeah, during the movie, as she's trying to figure out whether or not she wants to spend the rest of her life with Charlie, no mention of the kids. Yeah, right? Yeah. Just, just, there's no consistency to character motivation in this film at all. Yeah. Who wrote it? it, So two people, this was, I looked it up, I can't remember their names, but this was by far the biggest film that they'd, this was their first film, right? And they really didn't go on to top it ever, right? In terms right. of like okay. um, critical reception or, uh, like yeah, in terms of like stars that they worked with. Yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah. Um, the other thing that kind of got me was that mm. she only sort of changes the present. <sighs> So, like, she yes. wakes up. So she faints at this uh, reunion that she goes to. She's They recrown the prom king and the prom queen, which yeah. is a uniquely humiliating exercise, and why would you do it? But they yeah. re- And she gets recrowned prom queen. She was prom queen first, and now she's prom queen again. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And the stress is all just too much for her, and she faints. 
in this yeah. really horrifying sort of hallucinatory sequence. And she wakes up in 1960. And then at the end of the movie, she faints again at the end, I think, and wakes yeah. up uh, back in the 1980s in a hospital. Nicolas Cage is there. And she's only sort of changed the present. So the poet that she slept with has dedicated his most recent book yeah. to her. But nothing else has changed. <laughs> There's literally no They're still in a really shitty situation. Yeah, and none of the... Nobody has brought up the like time that she fucking freaked out right before she turned 18. The time that she just, she, for like a week, she just lost it. Just went absolutely insane. Yeah. Truly insane. Charlie is like, hey, you remember that time in the senior year of high school when you like were super toxic to me? Do you want to talk about that? No, Remember you were gaslighting me uh, 24 hours a day. Oh, yeah, that. Pretty much. Like, And then, like, he he said, oh, I got a 10% stake in my father's company. Yeah. I can support you. And that didn't go anywhere. Just straight up nothing. He still yeah. looks terrible with terrible teeth. Yeah, he's still, like, a washed-up appliance salesman. This film is full of things that it doesn't deliver on, none more so than the uh, the Freemasons. The... Liam, would you like to talk about the cult Freemason type things that we witnessed and both mutually on separate states freaked out about? Yeah, I I loved it because I started watching it a little bit before you did. So I was, yeah. I don't know, like 15 minutes ahead of you. And I got to that bit and I was like, Lawrence, holy shit. Hold on for the ending. It's insane. So she tells her grandparents, other than Richard, the geek... The only person yeah. that she tells, uh, like, about her whole kind of predicament is her grandparents. Yeah. And it turns out, not only do yeah. they believe her, which is insane. Straight up, why? Yeah, but her grandfather is a part of this, like, Freemason time travel cult. Yeah. He's like, yeah, we believe that our leader is a time traveler from the future. We can perform it a is... ceremony to send you back. And it's like... Yeah. Our group was founded 600 years ago by someone from the future. Yeah. What? So she goes along to their lodge and they perform this huge ritual to try and send... They all wear robes and hats and, and do weird freemason they, they chant oh. and they try their best to send her back to the future. And then the lights kind of flicker off for a moment. When they flicker back on, she's gone. So they're like, oh, she must have gone back to the future. But no, Nicolas Cage has just come in and like stolen her out. Yeah. Nicholas Cage, who had no way of knowing that's where she was mm. at all, no way of knowing, yeah. somehow managed to sneak into this Freemason Lodge type thing and steal her out saying, they were going to vaporize you. It's like, also, what? It's also so ballsy for the writers to introduce this time travel cult and have it not be the resolution to the movie. Oh my gosh, yeah. So you, you think, oh, okay, maybe this weird cult type thing is going to send her back. They don't. It's just introduced 15 minutes before the end of the film and goes nowhere. Yeah. Absolutely nowhere. No, I would have forgiven it if it had worked and it had actually sent her back to the 1980s. But the fact yeah, that yeah. it nothing happened yeah. is... It, had no bearing on the plot. No, no, it was ridiculous. You could have excerpted it completely and it wouldn't have made yeah. a difference. They, they, Peggy Sue vanishes because Nicolas Cage has stolen her away and the head 
the grand master of the lodge goes, ah, well, she's gone. Now we can play cards. Cut away. Never mention them again. Yeah. It's wild. It is very wild. And yeah, they don't mention this anywhere up to in the film until the final 20 minutes. She goes to visit the grandparents in a fit of despair. And essentially, she goes to visit the grandparents because she, you know, obviously they die in the future and she wants to see them again. But it's to put physical distance between herself and Nicolas Cage so she doesn't fall pregnant by him. Yeah. And he still manages to find her. He still her? manages to find her and impregnate her. And to impregnate her in a greenhouse outside the Freemason Lodge. No more romantic spot. I'd prefer it to a swamp, honestly. Yeah. Get out my swamp. Yeah, also, the, the Freemason greenhouse. Where yeah. does Kathleen Turner... Because there still needs to be a Kathleen Turner in the past. Yeah. It's not like she's... I, I don't know. Does she just Kathleen Turner just wake up the other day with no memory of the last like oh however many God. days? Or yeah, is she like is she back to her eighteen year old self again, or does she just disappear? What happens? In Liam, the past? I'll tell you this right now. You're asking all the right questions to the the entire wrong guy. This I have is, I can't answer that. This is somehow a more confusing time travel movie than Avengers Endgame. <laughs> Like I thought, it really that is that had the most time travel related plot holes, but this, this far surpasses it. it. Yeah, yeah. So, and apparently, the only way to get back to the future is to get penised by Nicolas Cage, and somehow that'll catapult you back to the future to vaguely Wolfman Nicolas Cage. Mm. It was a very yeah. Freaky Friday kind of situation, where only by like really truly understanding somebody. Can you yeah. undo this weird situation that you've gotten yourself in? But it does feel very strange that uh, I'm pretty dated that the, the cure for all her problems is someone's penis. Yeah. She doesn't heed her mother's advice and stay away from little Nicky. I don't know. I think it's going to be a very accurate description of the post-lockdown world. That everybody's, <laughs> all out of this. Yeah, everybody's problems are going to be solved by <laughs> penis. I thought you were about to say, like, <laughs> a bunch of people are going to be sent back to the future because everyone's going to start having sex. Suddenly the population's going to drop because yeah. all these people are going back to the future. They've had enough of 2020. Yeah. No, it's kind of, it's Peggy's Who Got Married meets 12 Monkeys. There was another fun person popping up in this film that we didn't mention uh, in the credits. Because um, I'd, I'd totally forgotten this was how yeah. unmemorable it was. <laughs> Sophia Coppola plays Kathleen Turner's younger sister, and yeah. this is the movie. This is the movie where she stops being able to act. It's it. This is it. We've pinpointed it. Peggy Sue got married. She's finally lost her childhood ability to like perform. But coincidentally, is this is also the first Coppola film since The Outsiders to make a profit. So is there a correlation uh, there? Yeah, that Look, everybody loves <laughs> Sophia Coppola's horrible acting. <laughs> Kirsty called it blunt. She was like, yeah, she's blunt. a very blunt actress straight she yeah. knows what she wants she's going for it yeah 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 wonderful director um but uh maybe a little bit still got crazy teeth it's marvelous yeah. this this film does have i think one of the best ending lines in the history of cinema yeah Let, let's let's talk ending lines famous famous ending lines um uh, well nobody's perfect yeah is, is it one. the ending of gone with the wind is that frankly my dear i don't give a damn Yep, that's the yeah. that's the final line of yeah, classic classic lines. This one. This one is I'd like to invite you over to your house on Sunday to have dinner with your kids. I'll make a strudel. Cut to black. That's good. That's poignant. What could she mean by 
I'll make a strudel. They're, like there's layers to that. I'll, to the I'll, strudel, like, there's layers to the strudel. Right, right. Yeah. I'd like to invite you over to your house on Sunday. I'll make a strudel to, yeah. to, to, to see your kids. And I sat there in a stupor afterwards going, that was the most anticlimactic 20 minutes of a film I think I've seen in recent memory. Absolutely. It's, yeah, it wasn't great. I think, honestly, Kathleen Turner was the real villain in this movie. Yes, really. She She's was... sort of presented as the hero, but no. No, no, she is, she's a sociopath. No, genuinely. She's like, <laughs> she's insane. She is insane. Imagine imagine someone comes to back in your school, let's go back to high school, and someone just comes back and comes up to you, hey, I think I've come back from the future, and then just starts acting horribly to everyone all the time. Yeah. Starts getting wasted in front of her parents. Yeah. Starts jerking around her high school boyfriends, and yeah. she, she can't decide whether she wants to be with him or not. Just being shit to her friends in general. Be really terrible to her friends. Like, that's not someone you want. I don't care if you're from the future. Piss off. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> that's what we don't know, is that uh, when she comes back and she wakes up in the hospital and she's got the book dedicated to her, we think that's the only change. She's also just been cut off from society, from everyone else. Yeah. Like, the rest of her friendship group have just got rid of her. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Like, she has no friends anymore. She has no friends. That's the yeah. other change. But we just don't see that yet. I was really disappointed... There was such a world of possibilities when she woke up in 1960. Yeah. Like, she could have done anything. Yeah, she could have killed people. She could She could have prevented JFK's assassination. Yeah, why didn't she do that? Just like, hang around for a bit longer. And... Why didn't she do that? Why didn't she go, like, uh, marry one of the Beatles? Why didn't she yeah. go work at NASA? So she was there when they walked on the moon. Like, why so you... much happened... And, yet, and she's just thinking, nothing. I want to have sex in a swamp. That's yeah. how you're going to spend your time travel days. Yeah, exactly. Uh, the most, my most, I just, I just woke up in 1960 with full knowledge yeah. of what's going to happen for the next 20 years. And my biggest concern <laughs> is whether or not I still want to marry my high school boyfriend. Uh, and not, I'm, she could have invented Shrek in the 60s. She could have Can invented you imagine? Shrek. Can you imagine if Shrek was a hand-drawn Disney animated film? Oh, uh, yes, and I'm loving it. That would Hello. be great. Yeah, yeah. She, she could have done that. She could have done that. <laughs> she could have gone to Disney and just come up with all these plot ideas and just taken over the shop. Yeah, absolutely. She could have murdered Walt Disney. And instead, she wants. she's trying to decide whether she wants to hang around with nose teeth Nicolas Cage and does she want his babies? <laughs> yeah. It's... Uh... Therefore, I don't care because she's making bad decisions and I, I'm not invested in her at all. Oh, 100%. I didn't care about <laughs> Kathleen Turner. Which, I mean, maybe this is a good time then to talk about her Best Actress nomination for this movie. Yes, let's talk about that. Do um, you deserve? Why? Yeah, no. No. I didn't think so who, either. Who won that year? Who actually won? Oh, that was 1986, 1987. Let me look it up. 1986, yes, I believe so. Um, because no, I, I I thought I thought Kathleen Turner was fine. Look, yeah, and she actually joined the project quite late. Um, was there another uh, name attached to it before her? Uh, there was uh, Marley Matlin won for Children of a Lesser God. Okay, yeah. Um, she was up against El uh, Sigourney Weaver for Aliens, 
Sissy Spacek for Crimes of the Heart and Jane Fonda for The Morning After. That's, I mean, that's um, a pretty stacked year, if you ask me. Yeah, not going to lie. Um, yeah, so in terms of production, the film was originally going to star Deborah Winger. Right. And be directed by Jonathan Demme. Uh, yeah. But they had creative differences and uh, Dem left the project uh, to be replaced by Penny Marshall, who was going to make her feature, fa- uh, feature film debut. Um, then Peggy Marshall, uh, Penny Marshall had creative differences with the writers. And then Deborah Winger left out of loyalty to Marshall. And then eventually Francis Ford was brought on. But they said, you have to finish on time and on budget or you lose final cut privileges. So they were working 20 hour days on this Jesus. Yeah, to get it on on time and on budget. So, yeah, there was originally going to be Deborah Winger, which would have been, I think, a vastly different film. Yeah. God, talk about this is another Nicolas Cage movie with a really tortured production period. Yeah. Again, correlation. Maybe. I don't know. That Chihuahua story sounds pretty good. It's funny. The uh, When she meets the – or one of the scenes that she has with the nerd, with Richard, he's – yeah he's got a kite or he's like building a kite and my first thought was oh my god birdie right birdie i thought that too i've got that written down birdie yeah. second one ornithocopter the, yeah thing. my mum my told me a fun story about birdie um because she listened to the podcast um hello mum. but she vividly remembers the poster and she went is is it is it this very blue poster and there's a, a man crouching and of course there is it's matthew modenay mm. crouching naked on a bed looking up at a blue window and i said yes and mum went that was the everyone went to see that film it, it got crazy reviews it was doing so well and i said did you see it and she said no <laughs> But it would have been fascinating to see. Uh, uh, Mum's now going to watch it uh, soon and uh, and see whether it lives up to the hype that it was getting of the time. I was going to um, say, was everybody else as similarly underwhelmed by the movie in 1984? Apparently not. People just went crazy for yeah. Birdie. Well, there you go. When you hear you and I sit in the future being like, <laughs> It's weird then that it hasn't, like had a bigger legacy you know right i was thinking about this the other day it hasn't left as much of a footprint as you would expect of a movie that had been so kind of lauded back in the day yeah yeah really you know of that time period you've got incredible films of low Mm. and high budget that people still watch today they either become cult classics or they become essential watchings in order to understand cinema or to study character or just oh you've got to see this film yeah no one's no one's ever mentioned birdie to me no i'm I'm looking at the uh the 1984 oscars um yeah or the ones for the year 1984 uh yeah i mean that was the year that amadeus won uh oh right yeah it actually, oh, the Karate Kid. Well, I oh, just Beverly Hills Cop. Oh heck! Which there fun fact go. got a uh, best screenplay nod? I found an interesting statistic here. Yeah. Uh, so, in the mid '80s, Quaaludes yeah. started becoming less popular. Coincidence that Quaaludes started becoming less popular and being outlawed or banned in various parts of the country. And Birdie slowly losing its credibility and its uh, oh, acclaim. Right. So was it only popular because everyone was off their face on Quaaludes? Maybe. This reminds me of, there was this website I remember going to at one point where you could find 
unrelated sets of statistics that were correlated with each other. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. Yeah, like, you know, like um, sales of camembert cheese in the United States against like deaths from boating accidents <laughs> stuff like that <laughs> that's all what of that them kind of with a nicholas cage's lifespan yeah yeah it, that's <laughs> kind of what that reminds me of this is this podcast very much become the is it related i don't know episode it could be it is very kind of conspiratorial of us to be like yeah. I, look i'm not saying anything just look at the I'm facts not say, I, you, i'm putting it down if you choose to pick it up that's on you that's on you is kathleen turner still stuck in 1960 i don't know i'm just saying <laughs> is this film a documentary i don't know it's for you to decide really hope it's a documentary jim carrey in this film yeah taking a hard topic change, he he gets to flex his comedy chops quite a bit. It was some physical... I was I was surprised, uh, I was pleasantly surprised to see him sort of go there and see that Francis Ford let him go there. He was doing all kinds of yeah, crazy yeah. body things and... He was playing the role that Nicolas Cage would have played had he been, like, not as big an actor at that point. It was a totally. kind of cagey role... Yeah, Carrie's yeah. role the sort of like fr the funny friends a lot of energy yeah. a little zany the kind of comic relief yeah like Nicolas making Cage out with girls all over the place and yeah Nicolas Cage would have played yeah. that role three or four years prior definitely definitely and instead we get we get Jim Carrey who does a you know does a does a good job and says phrases like hey can we put on some makeup music and turn off the lights that's a very Nicolas Cagey line very much so um, yeah it, it's but it's just bizarre to see these faces that will then go on to be again even bigger in the future um yeah. playing older versions of themselves that we know look nothing like the older versions of themselves yeah maybe that's why maybe maybe back then people were like, oh wow this makeup's really good and then we realize that nicholas cage looks nothing like that when he's older and jim oh, carrey 100%. looks nothing like that when he's older this is um, we're, we're finally going to start exploring like alien planets we're going to look back at avatar and go like oh my god that looks awful there's not enough cacti in avatar yeah. everyone knows alien planets are just covered in cacti yeah my god it's it, everybody has shag carpet skin didn't get that in avatar did they no, they didn't get backwards tongues. No, it turns thing. out no. it turns out that humans are the weird ones. Everybody else, yeah. like in the entire galaxy, has evolved in a very similar way, except for people. Yeah, like humans. Yeah, every other planet, every creature looks like a Fisher and Paykel fridge, and yeah. then they look at us with our fleshy bodies, and they go, "Oh," and we're terrified. Uh. We and we dedicate way too much time to someone called Nicolas Cage. Yeah, yeah. Maybe that's why aliens haven't. I'm not saying. I'm not saying it isn't, but I'm not saying it is. I mean, but, you know, isn't that a theory that aliens have like observed Earth and deliberately decided not to come contact us because we're just insane? Yeah, we're too, we're, we're insane and our technology is getting too good. Um, God, that would be a Nicolas Cage. That is a film that Nicolas Cage should do. Yeah, a film where he plays a ufo conspiracy theorist oh yeah or maybe he makes contact with with ufos and he's trying to convince them to come back you know yeah roswell was great come on back come back come yeah. visit us we're not all crazy says crazy nicholas cage yeah or they think that he's they the aliens think that we're all like insane except for nicholas cage <laughs> like nicholas cage is the only sane one <laughs> your body of work is incredible and we greatly admire your range oh my god yeah, they're really big fans of Nicolas Cage movies. The Rock is Maybe like mandatory they're... viewing on their planet. Yeah. <laughs> what have we? Uh, what have we got coming up? What's coming up next week, Liam? Well, uh, give us the next couple of weeks. So next week, uh, yeah. the film immediately after this one, we've got Raising Arizona. 
uh, directed by the Coen brothers. It's also got Holly Hunt in it. Apparently also a very, very good movie. Um, then after that, we've got Moonstruck. Uh, and we might have a very special guest for Moonstruck. We Stay tuned. may have a very special guest for Moonstruck. Of course, written by John Patrick Shanley, starring mm-hmm. Cher and Danny Aiello and Olympia Dukakis. And um, yeah, directed by Norman Jewison. Mm-hmm. And that's not a name I just made up. Uh, <laughs> Norman Jewison, who also directed In the Heat of the Night and Jesus Christ Superstar, a movie called 40 Pounds of Trouble. Oh, which that's is, a lot of trouble. It's a, it's a real-time movie of me taking a giant shit. <laughs> he also directed Fiddler <laughs> on the Roof. So yes, that's in two weeks we're doing uh, Moonstruck. And then we've got Vampire's Kiss. Which is where we really hit. We hit the cage. Peak cage. Firmly on the head. Yeah. Yep. Uh, and uh, Jennifer Beals is in it. Yeah. Oh, I think- it's going to be great graduated from college at the same the same year as my mom jennifer oh, beals hey. Your mom is jennifer beals. my mom is jennifer beals yeah that's very exciting yeah it's also got uh, david hyde pierce david hyde pierce yeah as theater guy yeah so there's lots to look forward to um why don't we should we should we think about it unless there's anything else you want to talk about do we want to should we plop in a rating for uh, Peggy I'm happy Sue to, got married i'm happy to plop in a rating i haven't thought too hard about the rating i keep kind of going back and forth on this because there right, were okay. some bits that I liked, and then there were other bits that I just thought were nuts. Okay. So I, it's going to be kind of just uh, off the top of my head, no thinking. Okay. Straight off the top of your head, out of a possible 50... Five zero. Nicholas Cage's no- noses. Yeah, five zero. Out of 50 Nicholas Cage noses, what do you give Peggy Sue Got Married? 31. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what do you think? I'll give it a 34. Okay. I think just for the enjoyment factor of uh of that final sequence at the Freemason Lodge type thing where True. I had no idea what was happening and was just there for it. I was I was sitting in it going this is batshit insane. Yeah. All right. Yep. I'm for it. No, um, I agree with you. And uh, and I think that's kind of it for the podcast. Um thank you for listening in again. We've got some real great films lined up. And once we pass Vampire's Kiss, we've got a couple of strange ones. And then you know we're into that 90s Nicolas Cage. We're Ooh. into him winning an Oscar. And then we do The Rock and Face Off and all those good ones. So we hope you'll stick around for all that. For the, for the, for, for the highs and the lows. And, and God, there are going to be some lows. Um, but until then, until we sink into the abyss... Uh, my name's Lawrence. Uh, and I'm Liam. And this has been Not the, Bees. Not the Bees. And we'll see you next week.